Hello, everyone. I'm Sandra Bargeman, and welcome to the Edge of Every Day. Are you a change maker? Do you walk between worlds, between cultures, between systems? If you answered yes to any of these questions, the Edge of Every Day is the place for you. In a nutshell, this podcast is about pushing boundaries and exploring rough edges. Through conversations and shared stories with friends and colleagues, it's my hope that we can begin to understand our edges. And what I mean by edges is those places where we are fearful, those places where we are resistant to change, those places where paradox and contradicting identities live in our beliefs and our understandings, both individually and collectively. We live in edgy, challenging times. We cannot keep looking away from the ugly, from the difficult, and silence is no longer an option. Life isn't black or white. It's both, and I want to talk about that. I want to stay present to the tension of paradox, and I want to engage in the hard conversations. I want to explore the rough edges between our light-filled brilliance and our dark, shadowy corners. Because the more we recognize our own edges and get real about them, the more we can help others to do the same. And that, I fully believe, can help to change the world. So thanks for tuning in. Today, we are live in the hive for our fifth episode at MaximizeU.life titled, The Ragged Edges of Hope, Climate Peril, and presence activism. For our last episode, I asked these questions. When did we humans start to separate ourselves from nature? How can we find our way back to nature to reweave ourselves back into a kin-centric relationship with all of life on earth? Now, in this episode, we take these questions farther. Because climate change, climate peril, is demanding our attention and dramatically reconfiguring our relationship with nature. So, how do we navigate the edges between crippling climate anxiety and informed activism? What's the edge between hope and denial? My guest today can help us to explore and perhaps even answer those questions. Lynn Sedgemore is a certified coach, founder of the Goddess Luminary Wheel Teachings, poet, interfaith minister, priestess, healer, non-executive, thought leader, and Enneagram teacher. Lynn is chair of the Glastonbury Town Deal, leading an investment of nearly 25 million pounds for the town. She's a certified coach and organizational community consultant working freelance with CEOs, chairs, senior leaders, and teams from the education, faith, charity, health, community, sport, and private sectors. Her organizations have won numerous national and international awards, including the International Spirit at Work Award and the British Diversity Award. She was awarded the CBE, standing for Commander of the Order of the British Empire in 2004 for services to further education. 
She founded the Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel Teachings and authored the Goddess Luminary Leadership Wheel book in 2021. She's a published poet, priestess of Avalon, and ordained interfaith minister with One Spirit UK. She was a member of the UK World Conference for Religions and Peace and the UK Interfaith Network. Her new book is Presence Activism, a Profound Antidote to Climate Anxiety. Welcome, welcome. It is such an honor to welcome you, Lynn Sedgemore, to the edge of every day. It's great. Great to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, a complete, complete pleasure. Well, for our listeners, I have to let you know that I have had the glorious Lynn Sedgemore on my my podcast when it was formerly at talkradio.nyc. And I listened in on that conversation and just laughed my, I, it was so much fun, the conversation that I had with you. It was a blast. So those listening in, you can go to talkradio.nyc and it is episode 42. You can also go to my YouTube channel, Sandra Bargeman, On the Edge of Every Day, and you can see it there as well, listen into it there as well. But um, I like to, as to start with, um, with so my listeners know how I know how I know they clearly already know that I I previously know you, but um, but I want to fill them in a little bit more because I'm so excited that this happened. So I got to know Lynn through the Edgewalker community, which and you all know that the Edgewalker Academy, Edgewalker International Academy, is now on MaximizeYou.life. So check that out while you're on the website. But I met Lynn through that. I saw her speaking in one of the Edgewalker cafes and I was completely enthralled with her and just totally loved, loved her vibe, et cetera, et cetera. And I asked her to be on my show and we formed a bit of a friendship and had a fantastic conversation. And then she told me all about the goddess conference in Glastonbury. And I went this last August and got to meet Lynn in person. That was spectacular. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a great time. Lynn has been involved in that for a long time. It was the 28th Goddess uh, Conference, and you can check that out online. I felt very called to the land, which I feel is um, is so much a part of this conversation, Lynn. Um, the re- One of the reasons that I agreed to go to the conference and to go to Glastonbury was because in my talking with you, I felt really, and I discovered this literally in my conversation with you, Lynn, that I was called to, and I remember tearing up with you mm-hmm. in one of our Zoom conversations that I felt very called for the first time in my life to the land, which to me felt different than just a kinship with nature. I mean, it was a, 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 a please come here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you That's- experience, yeah, I'm sure... Glastonbury was calling you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure lots and lots of people feel that. And and I, I suspect a lot of people that have come to live there have, have felt that as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a sacred vortex of primarily of spirituality of the land, of yeah, shamanic, pagan, goddess spirituality of the land, you know. Which of course is, and, and, and Mr. Christianity. 
sort of the the confluence there yeah which was why i was i rest assured i was called there okay all right so um before we get into your incredible book which is going to be the focus of our our, this conversation i i have a couple of questions now that i i ask all of my guests so we're going to start with those so um what identity do you lynn sedgemore lead with I lead, do I lead with? Okay. Um, Oh, I love that question. Um, (laughs) Didn't see that one coming. Well, my, one of my spiritual practices is to keep asking myself, who do I take myself to be in the moment? Mm. Yeah. It's a genuine question. I I mentioned it in the book. This is through the Ridwan uh, school. That's where I learned it. So particularly if my ego defenses are up, you know, the question, who do I take myself to be? And in the book, I talk about eight different senses of self that you can have. So um, the answer is I try and lead with my, if you like, most liberated, most expansive sense of self. But I can't always, because if I'm in some um, re- re- reactivity um, to something or someone, yeah. Oh, no, that never happens for us, right? (laughs) Then Then you lead with a warrior. I'm taking myself to be Lynn Sedgemore with a hang-up about a particular ego fixation that I want or need that I want met. So so my answer is I try and lead with my most expansive, integrated, liberated self uh, as best I can most of the time. And I still, I'm an Enneagram 8, so I still get a bit of a kick out of being naughty or being outrageous or not behaving as well as I should. <laughs> Don't you? Oh. I do. Well, I do. <laughs> but I notice, I'm aware of it. It's like, oh, I'm being naughty here and I'm really... Oh, which I totally, totally love. And um, just FYI, listeners, I discovered... Enneagram. I knew about Enneagram. I shouldn't say discovered it because I knew about it as an assessment tool, but I had never taken the test until I did research on Lynn Sedgemore and her complete and utter love and geekiness around it, as she said, and uh, which I adored. So I took the test and I found out (laughs) I was also a naughty eight, a very intense, and we had such a great laugh around it. And Lynn was so generous in, in, doing some teachings around that with me and really exploring what it was like to be an eight. And it was certainly, I mean, I was aware of these things, but it was certainly eye-opening and and the naughtiness and the, um, and I would have to say, I'm, I'm with you in that, you know, I used to answer this question and say, I lead with the comedian, which could be, could, it could be said. And I do that probably when the, or the naughty part of me, when I'm feeling, um, uh, maybe I need some safety around, um, or I'm triggered around, um, spiritual wisdom, the, my wisdom presence, et cetera. If I'm, if I'm knocked out of that, if I'm knocked out of my edge walker capability, then I'm gonna, and I think I also, and, and tell me if this feels true to you, do the naughty, I feel I've used that as a, um, as a mask, as a safety mechanism also oh. throughout that, that I learned that as a young person around my family that, um, you know, that I could do, I could use that. 
Yeah, humor for me was a way of of kind of compensating for things. Yeah, absolutely. And covering things up and being strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it what what I can get most caught up is leading with the strong, capable self who can deal with anything and and yeah. high vulnerability. That's that's right in a very common place for me the person who's strong and you know whatever it is I can handle it etc etc and I've had to learn to be vulnerable and to ask for help etc etc all of those things yeah Yeah, yeah, all of those ways that leadership is emerging yeah vulnerability the strength and the power in that absolutely I would say I ditto because I just want to be you (laughs) um Okay, so my second question is, what worlds do you walk between? <laughs> lots, lots, and I've been doing it since a child, really. Um, mm. At the moment, I walk between running a government-funded project, which is, if anybody knows Spiral Dynamics, it's very blue and hierarchical and process and bureaucratic, um, I walk in the Glastonbury community, which is kind of very spiritual and mystical uh, and anti-authority. So that's an yes. interesting. Um, I walk, uh, I work, still work in the college world, which is a professional mm. world. Um, I think in terms of uh, Glastonbury, where I, which I love, um, I walk in mythical and legend worlds, the spiritual side of it, mm. the civic side of it. To be honest, I, I walk in my family world. Um, I'm a grandmother, mm. a stepmother, a mother. So I think my whole life has been one of walking in many different worlds. And as a working class kid who was very bright in terms of school success, I had to learn, you know, from the day I went to the grammar school, um, I learned that there were so many different worlds. um, And Mm. I enjoy walking in different worlds. I love diversity. I love differences. I love idiosyncrasy. You know, I look quite conventional, actually, um, but I'm not. We, We held an interfaith um unity day in glastonbury and we had sort of different speakers on all the different faces and somebody came up to me and said i think that's what the inside of your head looks like lynn (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i've experimented with that yes oh yeah (laughs) that's the inside of your head isn't it and that again (laughs) another expression of in my head i'm walking in all different worlds as well i've always been like that always Mm. i think i was born Yeah. yeah Yeah, just popped out of the womb with that curiosity about life. Mm. Oh my, I can certainly relate, and I'm sure it was a handful as as a child um, where we want where our parents want us to fit into boxes, and which gets us back to the the creating the mask of comedy and and humor. Yeah, to navigate those. Well, then um, I'm going to dive right into um, Lynn. We're here to talk about this incredible book that I've had the the honor to uh, get a leg up on, and uh, it is not yet out for purchase. It is out for pre-order, and um, but I have been able to get a leg up on reading it. Here it is, Presence Activism by Lynn Sedgmore, and I'm going to read... 
um, a endorsement of it that I think um, really expands well upon the, I thought I had it marked, but I don't. So we're gonna go back in and we're gonna find it. Expands upon, um, really highlights the, the, the edge of every day of the book and the edge of every day of Lynn Sedgemore. So I'll read it and you can make that decision for yourself. We are in climate peril and time is not on our side. Presence activism is the book we all need right now in this present moment. Lynn Sedgemore herself walks the delicate balance of powerful mystic with her rich and depth-filled presence wisdom that edges up with her fierce, informed activist warrior, dramatically mirroring both the poignantly regenerative and ragingly ferocious edges of Mother Earth right now. Rich with resources to motivate and mobilize the reader, Lynn gives us a map to deepen and expand our presence to move beyond our overwhelming anxiety and crippling fear into activating our courage, putting the climate and ecological crisis on everyone's lips and to taking action. Well, that pretty much, that that lays out a beautiful path for us to walk in that uh, Lynn herself um, is both a, a climate activist warrior and a deep spiritual wisdom carrier. So um, you've been a lifelong activist, Lynn. Um, how has that changed over your lifetime and brought you into your understanding of presence as an antidote? I, I became a second wave, wave feminist uh, in the 70s mm -hmm. uh, when I was mm -hmm. 17 and uh, was active all the way through. I still identify. Um, obviously, I'm more of an intersectional feminist now, but yes. Um, and I'm an XR rebel and have been on the climate protests um, and support locally the work that we're doing. For me, the whole issue for me and for many other activists is burnout yeah. and finding ourselves overgiving, overdoing, in a kind of, in a battle, in lots of battles, um, you know, and fights, righteous fights, but, but fights inside, fights outside might literally, you know, um, possibly getting arrested and all of that. So what I've had to learn, particularly in relation to climate, because I was more a climate in denial of the impact of it, you know, the big strong word, you know, not really letting in the fullness mm. of what we're doing to Mother Earth. And to oh, completely. And I to think most of the people listening in would, would put themselves in that category today. Yes. So, so my, my path, we each find our own way, is to find ways of managing my anxiety breaking through the armor, if you like, of my denial mm. to mm. say, how do I? Being a feminist was pretty straightforward for me. It was pretty clear, et cetera, et cetera. I have found climate activism and the way that I am able and can make choices um, 
has been different. I have needed presence. So the way is to get an inner strength that is built on presence and being in the moment and acting from that place. That's the only way I personally can cope with the horror of the, the deep climate peril we're in. Absolutely. So let's, before we get into um, the presence flower and some of the, and, and the responses, let's break apart more thoroughly. What is presence for the, for people who may feel very confused about what is this presence? What, talk to us about that. Well, chapter two <laughs> is all on presence. And I think my contribution yeah. to the field of presence is that I've I've looked at it from different perspectives, from what's professional presence, because there's a lot of work being done on charisma. Yes, um, indeed. How we present ourselves in the world. And yeah. it doesn't have any spiritual yeah. connotation. And that's fine, you know, it's, but it doesn't. It's about uh, how do I um, present myself and am present and an exploration of that. So we can, most people might access presence through the sense of professional presence. And in a nutshell, that you can be close to somebody physically, although you can have it, but you feel something that they have and feels positive. Yes. And it affects you. so basically, that's what presence is. It's like you're in their presence and it's an energy, an impact that it has on other people. Yeah. So so there's that kind of presence. And some people, mm-hmm. it's not just charisma. You can have a really quiet, calm yes. presence. So, Indeed, that radiates powerfully. So think of places, people that actually... You have felt something, an, an mm. impact. It can be an energy, it can be a feeling, but oh, there's something more here. Something that, oh, yes. So I went for years and sat in the presence of spiritual gurus and spiritual people. Um, so that's what presence is. And it's really how do you gradually develop that this presence is outside, but we also each have presence. We are presence. And the journey for me is from going to presence to go like, oh, here it is. Can I have some? And receiving presence to walking kind of alongside presence and then gradually realizing, oh, I am present. We're all presence. (laughs) Yes, indeed. How do I develop and be as present as possible? And another definition for many people, which Eckhart Tolle is probably the most popular today, but hundreds of people have written about it, is the presence of being in the moment, of mm-hmm. being here now, is that phrase. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Well, and I also, in when I am doing my checking in and really being present to myself and what's happening internally, it... In the quieting, it's the the connection, the the kin centric connection to all that is. It's the willingness. Now, I mean, that's you know that that's after much work on this, but but there is even quickly going internally. There's a connection to 
a sense of being a part of the interconnectedness of life. And that if you can get quiet and go in that, be here now and go within, you can, and and that is getting back, rekindling our our connection to nature. That that is the definition. The the being a part of reconnecting to the concentric connection of all that is is yeah. is that. Yeah, the reason I talk about the different kinds of presence and break them yes. down, I talk about nature presence and the, because we can each experience it in our in own different ways. So for many some people, pathways, there's many different ways, and I don't want to say one is better than the other. So for some people, it's never a transpersonal. It's right. they're totally kind of from within themselves, and they feel the presence and the connection with the land which is really, really strong. For, for others, it's transpersonal. There is Indeed. another a sense of something more than myself. Indeed. And they may interpret it, which I've always done, through a religious frame or a spiritual mm -hmm. frame. A mystical, right. Yeah. So for me, it felt like there was the divine, which has taken different totally. shapes something more and i i had a relationship with it for years and i still like having a love affair with the divine while at the same time now knowing that i am the divine we are all the divine you know mm. i am that we are that we so that in that sense for some of us if you want the technical terms i'm pantheistic so i'm basically a panentheistic sorry panentheistic so I can do the the kind of the theism or the sense of something more than, as well as oh, the, right. the feeling the connection. Lack, it's me. So yeah, which is really, which is my just. I haven't worked to get there. It's that's how I experience it. Another. Yes, exactly. So for me, <laughs> presence is instead of using um, a god or a loaded word. Mm. But some people will talk about the presence of God. Some people will talk about the presence, do you see? But I just wanted yeah. presence as a totally inclusive, embracing word. Invitational, indeed, indeed. Well, and I love the, 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 the way that you experience it is so the edge of every day. It is the ultimate edge, the edge between, yeah. you know. And there is I love no it. <laughs> yeah. And that right. And there is no edge because we are both. Yeah. Those are the, yeah. the ultimate two worlds to walk between, uh, for me personally. Um, okay. So um I, I love organizing that folks, when you read this book, your mind is going to be blown. It is a masterful opus so to organize all this into a little 45 minute chat uh sure 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 uh there was so many things and we've touched on the presence flower and the many ways of understanding and connecting uh to presence i want to touch on and i loved this because this is so when I, I've had other um, climate, I'm for those listening in, I'm a climate reality leader and I've had other uh, climate uh, people on my show and in a variety of ways, people who are artists and are working on uh, climate change through their artistry and trying to uh, engage people emotionally through their art to take action. And always, in every conversation, I bump into this notion of how do we keep people hopeful and engaged in 
taking action. And I get a little uh, triggered um, and into my warrior with, um, uh, I, I don't think people are fully understanding. And I uh, we have to move past this notion of, I, I, I think we're doing just fine with it. We're, we're in peril. I, I want people to move past their sense of, I'm hopeful and I'm recycling. I think people need to get into a bigger understanding of what that is. That's me personally. I want to push people forward into a, a greater response, if you will. So you've got three levels of responses that you've done fantastic uh, research into. And folks, again, there's there are many, many resources and many people that are woven into this book um, that you can, readings and uh, thought processes that you can research. But there are three levels of responses that 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 uh, Lynn talks about in her book, mitigation and adaptation, number one, and number two, deep adaptation, and number three, extinction. So speak to us about the three of those um, and yeah. where you fall in all of that, all of those responses. Yeah, well, they, those are standard in the field, though that's yes, from indeed. the analysis of the field. Um, let me just start with the hope thing. I And I say categorically, it's on page 18, I've had to redefine my relationship with hope um, in relation yeah. to this, because I'm a natural, I used to call myself a pathological optimist. Um, so yeah, I'm right there with you, yeah. So basically, I had to really, really research the field and get my head around it and really work it through for myself. So mm. as I looked at the mitigation and adaptation, I, you know, I read different views on that. And really, I thought to myself, no, uh, we're blowing in the wind here. And particularly right. so for our listeners, what is mitigation and adaptation? It's so, sort of so this adaptation is, is where, where we actually take measures um, to adapt. Um, but you still and mitigation um, is is how you 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 reduce it, so it can be technically or different ways. But a lot of the traditional mitigation and adaptation methods are actually creating things that can be worse longer term. Indeed, chemical solutions or mm -hmm. things like that. So it's still very connected to capitalism. This end, and I was just going to say, and it's really oh. still seeped in capitalism. Oh. So mostly they're being influenced by politics, by economics, by big companies not wanting to lose their profit, by short-term thinking. So it's almost like they are reinventing it to fit their own ego needs of greed, usually. Greed and exploitation continuing. So the more I went into that, I thought, oh, this looks on the surface as if it's possible. But actually, most of this is a bit of a con, really. And, and if you look at the last cop, I mean, you couldn't. Yes. Make it, oh, my goodness. Yeah. You couldn't make it up, you know. Um, <laughs> no, you couldn't write it. So as I look through that, I looked at all that and I go, you know, go into all the different ones and talk about where different people stand on that. And then, really, I'm a deep adapter. So, really, I myself, I'm positioned with deep adaptation, the work of Jen Bendel, which is ah. really saying we've got to wake up and face the fact that we, society is going to collapse. There will it's be collapsing. Success. 
collapse. What, what shape or form that takes, how long it takes, we don't really know, but it's going to happen. So let's start to adapt in a more fundamental way yes. to prepare for the future. And, and it's not an individualistic approach. It's actually saying, how do we work together in communities? So you may go off and set up a community that's self-sufficient. So it's about yes. food security, being self-sufficient. We're looking in Glastonbury at how do we develop a food security? How do we respond? Mm. So we are working from a deep adaptation perspective. It says that we have to look at the system that we're in because the whole yes. capitalist and current system is going to fall to pieces eventually. might be very slowly. The tipping points, but some yeah. tipping points theories and approaches will say it can happen kind of very quickly. Right accumulate and then tip literally so I write about all of that so I'm in the deep adaptation so how do we start to adapt in a way that mm. we can continue it'll be a very different life but we can yes, continue indeed. but we can continue is at the extreme end that says we're all going to be extinct you know everything's going to be extinct there'll be very very little left um yeah. at all and i don't i'm not convinced of that because i think humanity will continue in different shapes or forms so that's really so where hope sits for me because if you're not careful in mitigation adaptation you end up saying no it will be all right that's what this you know it will we, we actually we could just change it you know you could just change it it could be whereas deep adaptation is saying no it, it's going to be really <laughs> difficult <laughs> face up to it and do Get what real. you can it's 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 we can all do something we can't mm -hmm. solve it but we can yeah. adapt to it in a deep level which enables us to find new ways of co-creating community looking after each other you know and the worst may happen i'm obsessed with watching you know um apocryphal films and all of that oh yeah you know, um, and we'll see the best and the worst of humanity, um, I'm sure about that. But doing what you can um, within that context. Yeah. yeah. There is a, a sense of the place beyond hope, which I to, that really addresses that you have in the book, Margaret Wheatley. Um, yeah. This, this, this without the filter of hope and fear spontaneous right action can emerge. I loved that. I'm going to go back and read some of her work, but back yeah. to Jim Bendel, um, this, um, I love that you included the five R questions. Yeah. yeah. And those were so fantastic. And I mean, a whole, a whole podcast interview with you could be done on just those I was particularly drawn to the fourth one because which uh, so these are four um, R words that take you through um, if you are in um, your in deep adaptation as Lynn is as I am um, then you can it, these questions five R questions invite you in I'm just gonna and those are on page 16 when you get the book <laughs> but the one I want to focus in on is the reconciliation uh piece because this really speaks to some of the anger that I've had and the triggering that I've had to 
uh, continually work through, and I by no means have done it fully, but uh, reconciliation with what or whom shall we make peace as we awaken to our mutual mortality as it relates to climate peril? And it really brought up some powerful anger that I have towards people who in my own life, in my own inner circles, um, who have absolutely been opposed to climate change, called it a hoax, uh, refused to do, you know, do everything but get on board with making wise decisions around um, action. Um, you know, I'm going to have a bigger car. I'm going to use uh, more of this. I'm going to do more of that. I'm not going to do any, you know, recycling is ridiculous, you know, on and on and on. The, the, and, and the anger that I feel towards corporations and towards, you know, patriarchal society and having really? to, you know, just the rage feminine in blah, and having to, you know, that's why this presence work is so extremely powerful, Lynn. And um, and I, I'm just so excited for the listeners to get their hands on this book, to all of these elements and ways of facing these emotions and facing where we're going as things change dramatically. Absolutely. As I believe I mean, they I have to practice presence every time the UK Prime Minister comes on because it's absolutely disgusting what's happening in the UK, the choices they're making around oil and other yeah. things. And I do, I, I, the anger and the rage that I feel of the yeah. lack of caring, um, it's, it's just nonsense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay time do we have? So um, you've touched upon community somewhat. Um, so what, you know, I'm, you know, I'm inclined to say, what is the role of presence in the healing of the world? That's a rather large question. <laughs> what is the role of community in all of this? You've touched upon some of that and in addressing this deep adaptation. And it makes me think about your article on Leaderful that I reread. By the way, Lynn's, before you dive in, just quickly, Lynn's website has um, many, many resources and articles, um, not only ones that she's written, but articles by people who have written on her work. So what what do you, what what's the role, what's the emerging role of community that, that, that we are feeling organically? I, I, I mean, those two words, organic and community, are really important. The way forward, I'm clear in here, I'm saying the way forward is to work together in local communities. Bingo. To ensure literally resilience and food security and to mm -hmm. be able to live into the future. And most of that is growing your own. <laughs> One yes. of the things that we're funding in Glastonbury Town Deal is a, is a regenerative farm. Um, oh. that actually can provide food. The village I live in, we've got... Um, Plotgate, which is another way, another community that's growing food. So that whole thing about food resilience, finding your energy, finding ways of working together in a local community. We are suffering floods literally here in the UK at the moment. Again, that's happening 
and um, Glastonbury and the, certainly the southwest um, as well as other places. How do you manage the floods? How do you manage the impact on the land, on the growth, on the crops, on the things that we, you know, so all of those solutions can only be made if communities come together. We've mm -hmm. just had a community gathering, people's assemblies, um, we're holding community gatherings and people's assemblies in Glastonbury around deep adaptation, around the impact and preparing. Um, and we get quite hysterical, you know, when you're laughing because it's like it's just so dire and you kind of look at it that way, you know, it's like yeah, you look yeah. where something will be, you know, our levels will be completely flooded in these timescales. So there's, you have to have laughter and you have to have humour and you have to be able to work together with it because it just hits a point where you go, yeah. it's too much, can't cope with it and alleviate. So for me and for many others, you can only really do that collectively. The individuality, Indeed. yes, you can go off into the woods and be a prepper. That's another way of doing it. But for me to save us all, it's a collective community that's facing up to what can be done. Indeed. Uh, uh, indeed. You know, it's funny, during COVID, I really felt the call to an organic community in a way that I had never in my life. That was one of the great gifts for me personally, and I know that I'm not alone in that, 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 that the call forward to share my voice in a bigger way for Mother Earth, the, the, the call towards a more organic organization of community. And, and part of that includes in my salon space, which um, I have shared with my listeners, I have on my, my during COVID, I, I turned my thousand square foot garage into a salon space in which we can have these difficult conversations. Ultimately, I'd love to be doing my podcast from there, which that time will come and we can live stream events as well. We've done climate cabaret there ways of bringing people to get theatrical ways. This is the great thing about uh, theater and climate. A friend of mine is a playwright who works. Mm. It's only about climate change that she writes about. Um, and for those people listening in, her name is Chantal Billedieu, Arts and Climates Initiative. She runs in New York City. Um, but the power of bringing community together around theater to evoke emotion, to uh, open the dialogue, to get into communion about understanding uh, that our, our interconnectedness with, uh, not just that it exists, but we need it to take action together. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we all respond differently. I mean, one thing I haven't mentioned yet is my granddaughters. I've got granddaughters who are mm -hmm. 20, um, they'll be 21 and 18 this year. And how how we talk about it, how how do young people live with this? I'm I'm ancient, you know. Um, I'm at the end of my life. I want to live as long as I can, but I've had most of my life. Whereas young people having to live on a daily basis with this, mm -hmm. as well yeah. as a lot of economic issues and other things, um, it takes it's a different way of needing to be in the world, and that's why Indeed. I wanted to offer a model of potentially practicing presence um, yeah. to help. And, and some people have reviewed the book for me and and all of, they're all saying they can take this into their professional life, which I've been really Indeed. delighted with, yeah. No, this is a book for everyone. So the, this is a great segue into, um, people can pre-order this book now. 
It is presence activism, a profound antidote to climate anxiety by Lynn Sedgmore. And people can pre-order it. Um, tell us where. Uh, on Amazon. At the moment, it's just on Amazon um, because it's August. Uh, it will actually be available worldwide on Amazon. Um, I've managed to get some copies um, for the Glastonbury community because they're very keen to see it. Um, so, yes, uh, Amazon is where it is at the moment for pre-ordering and then gradually it will online. Yeah. So we'll do a huge the publisher will do a huge marketing campaign in relation to it. And I mean, I was really humbled by the endorsements. I was crying when they were coming back because uh, you don't know when you've written something. You know, I knew it wasn't gobbledygook, but you don't really know until the feedback starts to come. And I've been deeply humbled and moved. And, and to be able to make any kind of contribution around mm. climate change, you know, my heart just yearns for that. Um, yes, because as an older woman, as a crone, I wanted to give something back because my generation, baby boomers, has had a lot of benefits that new younger generations are not. So it was the desire to help and support others um, because this anxiety that many people are feeling is is debilitating. It's really hard. Yeah, I can't imagine being a young person in today's, to your point about your granddaughters, and that was one of my questions to you is is what 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 are you seeing and I know you're also protesting and and extinction rebellion by the way that's another resource everyone extinction rebellion um are you actively protesting and are you um your foot on the ground in terms of young people's anxiety yeah. But well, the last big, the big one that we did last April, um, I was mm. in and I talk to the young people when I'm there because young, of course. Young, young people who are leaving their jobs, leaving university because they get it and they want to give their all to it. I have nothing but admiration for them. So yes, they're in deep adaptation. Their <laughs> they're, it's their, they're making it their lives work and they're putting mm. themselves at risk, all these different, and I go through the different forms of, of activism and I'm yes. pleased to say Gail Bradbrook here, who was nearly, who's been in a court case, they gave her a suspended sentence. So, you know, it's it's a courageous thing to be an activist all over the world. You know, and we live <laughs> in the West where the, we are able to protest. You can be put to death in many countries for even thinking some of these thoughts. But it is getting harder. It's being criminalised. Climate activism is gradually being criminalised over here. Um, so yes, so literally there's going to be an action soon. <laughs> um, the emails are coming through literally now um, about preparing for uh, action. But the nature of the protest is having to change because of the new laws that are being brought in. Um, but the April one was magnificent, what, about 100,000 people, and all the different climate groups came together and joined together to talk about community. It was, again, it was a bringing together and embracing mm. of all the different climate groups working together for this big one last April. So there are other things uh, that are being planned at the moment. Yeah. Spectacular. So the book is, uh, as you said, can be pre-ordered on Amazon and um, it will be available at in August 
uh, on a variety of different platforms as well. And can they find it on your website? Not at the moment. No, no in August. Yeah, I need to update my website to put all this in. Yes. Oh, don't, yes. don't we all need to update our website? <laughs> but ironically, but, it yeah. comes out in the America before UK. So it'll be. The- oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I plan on doing, because I'm lucky enough to have a copy of it, I'm planning on doing something over the summer with it, Lynn, with my local community, bringing oh. people together to discuss these. And um, so I'm I'm very excited to share that with you and with my community. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Again, folks, um, this book, Presence Activism, a profound antidote to climate anxiety. You can find Lynn at her website at Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E, Sedgmore, S-E-D-G-M-O-R-E dot C-O dot U-K is her website. Um, all you have, you can find her on LinkedIn. Are you on any other social media? Yeah, you're on Facebook. I'm on um, Facebook, yeah. Um, not- reach on Instagram. Uh, right. Um, you can find her in those places, reach out to her. Um, her other book is fantastic as well. Um, but this is really the book of the moment. And this is the, the extraordinary book of the moment. So thank you, Lynn Sedgmore, for coming on the edge of every day and speaking about this extraordinary book and, and your experience with it and your wisdom in getting it out into the world, how we can all deal with the next layer of what we are about to face with climate peril. Thank you. Because I feel this is the book my soul had to write. Or the the book that wrote itself from my soul, if you like. Yeah, there was something, there's something about presence for me that is such a wonderful thing. And to, you know, so thank you. So it is... It is the book from my soul. I don't think I'll have another book. I am, I've got two books that I'm working on, but this is the one that I think is my, was written yeah. from, from the From the your soul, the depth of who you are. Well, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and we'll just go over a little time. Um, did you learn anything unexpected? Did you learn anything surprising about who you are? when you wrote this book, hearing you say you wrote it, it was your soul writing it. Yeah, I think I think it was really another layer of, because I'm always learning about myself and there's always another <laughs> layer. Whereas this layer was really understanding how I needed to protect myself because of just how much it hurts my soul oh. that, we are a generation, my generation, that can harm the planet so much for such greed. And it was almost like the pain. I wrote a poem for a young lad that we had here who came to stay with us, and it was an apology. So there was something about fully allowing just how awful it is and still being able because of presence to continue to contribute yeah Yeah. and to yeah oh i feel that so deeply in your sharing 
and the yes and the 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 willingness to stay engaged and to be and to fully hold that yes we can create solutions yeah that they are emerging as we speak um i had eleanor lacane on um solutions summit talking about climate change solutions that are actually hap happening that we aren't always as in the public aren't always hearing okay. about so sure. so it's a real uh, the the tension of paradox again to hold both that the the deep grief with the real sense of knowingness that indeed we have it to create these solutions and that they in fact are being created yeah so thank you again. I'm going to close out with, you mentioned this in your book and uh, John O'Donohue is um, somebody that I love and, and read often. And so I was thrilled to see this in the back of your book. It's called A Blessing for Presence by John O'Donohue. May you awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. May you have joy and peace in the temple of your senses. May you receive great encouragement when new frontiers beckon. May you respond to the call of your gift and find the courage to follow its path. May the flame of anger free you from falsity. May warmth of heart keep your presence aflame and anxiety never linger about you. May your outer dignity mirror an inner dignity of soul. May you take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention. May you be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul. May you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder. And so it is. Blessed be. Blessed be. Thank you again, Lynn Sedgemore, and thank you to all of you for listening in today. Remember, you are always at the edge of the miraculous. Until we speak again, take good care. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.